Okay, so my first question is, when you started Pansy, were you thinking about sustainable behaviors? Um, was that a marketing term back then? Or was it just the beginning of like sustainable brands popping up? Yeah, I feel like for me, I wasn't as kind of, I, I feel like there weren't as many small brands in general when we started, which was 2012. You know, there wasn't, that's kind of when a lot of smaller brands that we kind of, it's now all Instagram has been populated by, have emerged since then. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I also was someone who, I only bought old clothes, I only bought used and vintage clothes, mostly just thrifted, mm-hmm. um, since I was a teenager. So, I wasn't as focused on the um, the industry in any like real way. I truly didn't know it mm-hmm. at all. Um, for me, I was coming from a perspective of wanting good underwear, um, and for me, the term good meant something locally made and organic and kind of checked all the boxes that you would want from your food. Mm-hmm. Um, and underwear being something you can't find used mm-hmm. and needing it to be new. <laughs> and that was something that I just didn't. Um, yeah, that was why we st- I started Pansy with my friend Rachel because we were both sandal makers at the time. And we both buy- bought all our clothes used and sandals was something you needed new because you would, you know, wear them for a season and then they're kind of thrashed after mm-hmm. wearing them every day for a summer. Mm-hmm. So you needed new, new sandals, like, so often. So that was felt like this along the same lines of underwear, something you can't really find in a thrift store. Yeah. Um, so for me, the term sustainability, I, I, would, I saw that more in terms of food sourcing Mm-hmm. And like the slow food movement, mm-hmm. and the idea that I could bring that into clothing, and the clothing essentials that we need—something that is a a need versus a want. We need underwear. Mm-hmm. We need good underwear. And so for me, that was—I never used the term sustainable in terms of pansy mm-hmm. because I just don't actually know how to define that mm-hmm. because creating things is inherently you know using up raw material and growing things takes a lot out of the earth um, so you know I it's hard to claim that for anyone right so so what does so I guess then asking you what does sustainability mean for you it's like not a good follow-up question then. Yeah. <laughs> I guess for me, sustainability means something that the earth can sustain and human labor can sustain and that we all, yeah, it's something that, like there's a finite amount of resources. And so working within that, and we've have, we have such a globalized world and marketplace I truly don't know how to define that, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the reasons I try and keep Pansy as local as possible because then it it feels much more manageable within my um, brain just to keep track of like where things are coming from and the idea 
of it. Like I know what a field in Texas looks like, but it'd be much harder for me to understand the labor relations in India where they're growing a lot of organic cotton. Right. Um, whereas I do know the labor laws in Texas. Right. Um, so yeah. I, I Googled sustainable sustainability. Yeah. In regards to like fashion, when I yeah. this is what is sustainability first, and it, and it said avoidance of the depletion of natural resources in order to maintain an ecological balance. Okay. And it's exactly what you said. It's like avoiding taking everything and using right. up all the resources, um, and so when people say this is a saying like something is a sustainable brand almost feels like an oxymoron right totally because it's in contradiction to what sustainability means for like especially when we're producing things like clothing yes that yes yeah so that's no no it's so true and for me coming from the perspective of hand making sandals that actually felt sustainable because it, when it was just me, at some point I hired someone to help me produce, but when it was just me hand making, I, there was a limit to which I could produce. And also I was hand sourcing everything that I was like all the leather that I was using. And I spent so much energy to making it, you know, kind of, it was just this very small thing. So for me, scale is a huge thing with sustainability. Mm-hmm. Like I truly believe when a company reaches a certain amount of growth, they no longer are sustainable. I was about, um, you're, an, you're answering the next question. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was thinking yeah, about... Yeah, we talked about that, like, the other night, about, like, when I see how yes. is handy growing yes. and whether I feel like I can maintain my same values. Yes. Yes, and I was going to ask you, I, I felt like that was an important question to include in this because yeah. I don't think that people understand yeah. that in order to be sustainable, you have to control your growth. Yes. In order, yes. Like in, in order to have sustainable practices, in order to have, because, like, because I feel like sustainability just doesn't just have to do with like producing, like the process of production. No. For me, it goes into like employees and company yes. value. And I think sustainability is inherently anti-capitalistic. Exactly. Exactly. So like creating a company within the capitalist structure and then growing within those terms, you're not going to be sustainable. It's not sustainable. You have to essentially, like what I'm attempting to do is that, is not do things the way you're supposed to do things. Yeah. Yeah. Where, like, I don't write, I've never written back any person who's, like, tried to offer me venture capital, who's tried to be my marketing team, who tries to sell me, you know, be an ad team. We've never run an ad, ever. Yeah. Um, That's always, every time I I think of it, it always just, like, blows my mind. Yeah. And it's really, it's really, really rare. And especially now, I do think that, you know, the reason why I've been able to grow and create a like company that in my when I say the reason sometimes I use the word sustainable is is financially sustainable mm-hmm. where we I've never I've, I grew the company off of six thousand dollars that's 
Rachel and I each put in 3000 when we started. Mm-hmm. And so with that first bit of money, we were able to grow the company. You know, she left after, like, basically we launched the company and she left in October of 2013. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that to me, I think, I think of financial sustainability as another term that I think some people maybe conflate to of like the ability to run and function and not need loans and not need outside funding so you have to like live on their terms I feel like but here's here's my issue with that I feel so a, a bunch of things are coming up from the last the last like point you just made yeah for me what I'm thinking is like sustainability is not just this one there are different kinds of ways to be sustainable yeah it isn't this blanket term that covers how just the means of production it's it's like are you financially sustainable can you are you like ecologically sustainable yeah there's like all of these umbrellas and so using this one there are ways that some brands aren't sustainable that they are sustainable in other ways And so right. but using that umbrella term kind of ignores the other ways that they aren't being sustainable that probably right. more important than the other things that they're being sustainable with. And then the right. other thing I thought about when you were talking about like loans, I feel like for me, that's different for everyone. So like I'm thinking about people who don't even have seed money, don't even have like right. the first. Right. And I think that that is a difference if you didn't have that $3,000 yeah. or you're trying to start something that requires much bigger capital. Right, right. Right. And it's so then in that case, like, how are you financial? How can you become financially sustainable after that initial investment? When do you for a lot of businesses under capitalism, it's about growth, constantly right. growing, growing, yeah. growing. And then you kind of like lose sight of what the the like thing was that you started with to be, yeah. you know, and I feel right. like when I think of even as just me doing business, I don't think of, you know, like growth in terms of like, oh, I want to see like 10, 20 employees. I think of, I want to be able to like have a, an income from this. Yes. For me, yeah. that's like the maximum thinking I can have. Totally. And so totally. like whatever I need to do in order to have like my income, which includes like hiring people, and being fair to them by paying them beyond a living wage so that so then I can get an income. For me, that's the cap. Okay. And I feel like there are a lot of... I feel like that's an important point to, like, make. Like, yeah. what is your... With Pansy, like, what was... What, what did you... Where did you start at? And what is the cap? Right. I mean, it's hard to say because it was really just me doing everything for a few years. And it just required me kind of sacrificing my whole life to get it to a place where I could afford to hire people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I also think there's a lot of luck involved, too. Yeah. Um, like, getting to a place where there was enough demand that I had enough money to hire somebody. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I don't know if there's, like, a recipe to that or an answer for that. Behind, like, everyone has their own personal circumstances, which, like... And they're a business model, which allows them to, like, whether or not they can actually become profitable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do honestly see sustainability, uh, like, especially, like, in terms of, I think there is a, 
financial I think they do kind of link up together, yes. the ecological and financial stability yes. or financial sustainability. Yes. I do think that there is a certain thing where the scale of being one or two people, you truly can't, your impact on the world and whether or not you're causing harm, you know, like it does, it just, it's not, it can never be that much compared to something big. Yes. You know? Totally. So, and I don't, but I also, like, you're never going to actually make a lot of money either. Yeah. You know? So mm-hmm. it's this thing where, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what the answer is, like, for what skill people should seek to attain, you know, beyond, I think, the government giving us, a, you know, like, a basic guaranteed income yeah. to allow people to live their lives more sustainably. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, I certainly think it's like capitalism is forcing us into this game yes. that is like destroying the earth. Yeah. Um, um, so I was thinking of the next question being are sustainability and ethics yeah. mutually exclusive? Because I feel like people don't use ethics in the right way. Right. So they act as if it's two different things. And right. for me, it goes hand in hand. Totally. I agree. I mean, that's why I've always called Pansy an ethical company, because there's no way for me to truly say um, definitively that we're a sustainable company. Mm-hmm. But I can say we're ethical because of my code of ethics. And knowing practices. that I everything is run by me like you know i have three employees so there's not a lot of decisions being made that i'm not a part of yeah um so when you so so i guess that's what you were thinking about when you started pansy instead of yeah sustainability and then what yeah in what ways have you been challenged with ethics in your ethics um in the in the last like eight years Well, how many? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I think you know, deciding at some point um, not to sell to big companies, mm-hmm. um, not to sell on like Amazon per se, or not to seek out bigger stores to sell to. Yeah. Um, I think by Pansy like doesn't have hang tags, so like. That alone, that was a decision I made pretty early. The first batch we ever did, um, we sold to my friend's store in San Francisco, Gravel and Gold. And um, what was the store name? We Gravel and Gold. Uh huh. And we put hang tags on every single piece of underwear, and it took us hours. And I was like, "This is stupid. <laughs> like, do we need this extra piece of paper?" You know, and what, like, what does that really serve, you know, to, um, and so I decided after that batch that I would no longer put hang tags for wholesale. Mm-hmm. And that alone kind of limits who would want to carry us. Oh, wow. Because it, like, needs to be someone who has, you know, their own kind of displays that don't need that or... You know, like it, it, like it has to be a small shop. Yeah. Basically, because yeah, yeah. um, it just wouldn't function otherwise. There was a while that we sold to 
the the online store needs supply uh-huh. and they required us to individually package the underwear um, in plastic uh-huh. and we use this um, like there was a, like maybe it was the second or third time we sold to them they they were like switching to like a big kind of distribution company uh-huh. and like we ship everything in house. There's no plastic. We use plastic, big plastic bins mm-hmm. that we put everything in. But that's something I've realized is a huge difference between us and a lot of companies is they always receive everything from their factories in plastic. Every mm-hmm. single item is in plastic. Right. And, like, because that's just not something I want to do, we can't sell to people like most stores. Right. Um, but not that I, and the thing is, I don't necessarily, I don't want to even want to sell the stores. I was going to say, but I'm like, just, I just, I feel like you don't, I, I'm not, I don't think that, I didn't think you wanted to, but I can no, see no, no. how. But it's like, it just, you know, when you're small and you don't have any money and a big store approaches you, you right. know, I think there's a certain level of like, I've been accepted, like this, you know, whatever, like these people, these buyers, you know, there's some kind of cachet in that. Um, so you know, for whatever reason, it just, like, there was that kind of mark of, like, oh, we're different. We're not going to do things the way that people, like, that is, like, the expected way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess that so, like, ties into the, fi- the, mo- the part about money that we were talking about. Yeah. Like, in order to be sustained, in order to be, like, in order to stick to ethics, there's, like, some a lot of giving up that you do. Yeah, there is. You know? Yeah, there's a lot of money that you leave at the table because of money you don't want, you know? And I think, you know, I come from, you know, a place where, like, I had a really cheap apartment. It was, like, $800. Like, I didn't need to bring out a lot of income. I was okay with not making a lot of money. I was living off of money that I had made at a previous job. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was just poor for a few years. And then at some point, I was able to start paying myself, I think, like, three or four years in. Mm-hmm. Um, but that gave me the flexibility to make those decisions yeah. and to say no to things yeah. um, and to be able to stick to my ethical compass. But I feel like people miss who to point the finger at. That's what it, my yeah. point was. Totally. That it's easy to turn to consumers and be like, why aren't you making better decisions? Right. But well, if, totally. I mean, if you that's gave one people of the reasons- options, they would make better decisions. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I started Pansy was because there wasn't anyone making underwear in an ethical way to my standards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I truly believe we're still one of the only people doing that. Yes. Um, so for me, it's like I, before I started Pansy, I made my mom buy all my underwear <laughs> because I refused to go into normal stores. I didn't like to buy anything new in my life. So for me, I wasn't going to walk into a Macy's or a Marshall's or whatever. Like, I asked, I, I, that was what I would tell my mom to buy me for Christmas or my birthday. She would buy me, like, whatever crappy underwear. Or I'd buy from American Apparel when, you know, I had to. Right. But um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to be the one, you know, paying, putting my credit card down or putting my cash down because I never feel good about that decision. But it was the only decision I had it was it felt like the only there wasn't an alternative options yeah so in order for people to so we're we're coming to a major point in order for people to um make sustainable choices you have to give them options yes yes 
you have and that's why like pansy we're slowly extending our sizing you know we go up to 4xl and bras now and we'll get our underwear to there we're just modifying some patterns this summer and then hopefully we'll have up to 5xl by the end of the year which is really exciting yeah because I, I do i do believe we just need to give we need to give everyone the option to yes. buy like good underwear yeah and like i i guess the the obvious thing then is how do you like i feel like outside of the sustainable purchase how do you yeah. so if you cannot buy from pansy because you cannot afford yeah. right pansy so your options are like fruit of the loom or anything that's right maybe a third or fourth cheaper right how like for me i feel like there are ways to be to make sustainable choices even after having to make that initial buying choice right and that's taking care of your clothes exactly we got that's um which is something i try to promote a lot with pansy which is hand washing um or machine washing but hang drying and never using a dryer basically yeah because dryers destroy your clothes Um, can you repeat that one more time speak louder into the mic (laughs) dryers destroy (laughs) your clothes ladies (laughs) and gentlemen and everyone (laughs) (laughs) say it louder for people like um excuse me because every time if i get one more email about a pair of jeans that has seen <laughs> too many dryers. Oh my god! I will scream. I cannot believe it. I, I mean, I have I have a man who lives in my house who destroys his clothes in the dryer, and I just recently was like, I'm gonna start doing your laundry. <laughs> you, I, it's been I've been together for like 14 years, and I'm now just like fed up with him destroying his clothing. I I told you I didn't buy a dryer this time because I didn't even want to yeah. be tempted. Yeah. to put anything in there i was just like i was thinking about like growing up in nigeria and not even having that as an option yeah. and then when i was in europe in 2015 all the airbnbs we stayed at had it, it was like like my first time in europe my first time in europe um after leaving nigeria and i yeah. so i i feel like i'd gone so used to seeing dryers everywhere so right. i was, so i so like i remember there being only a washer in the kitchen and i'm like right so does this also dry <laughs> and the lady's <laughs> like she like points to the lines outside and i'm like yeah. right <laughs> or they have tiny racks inside yes yeah. that's what yeah. i have inside my house is like totally. tiny little racks and so now i'm like really i'm like does this need to be washed no, it does yeah. not. <laughs> I can yeah. wear it one more time. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, yeah, I feel like I feel like Pete, sometimes we focus so much on the initial buying decision and not yeah. so much on what happens after the because, entire life cycle. Of the exactly, because for me, that's I, something I'm really trying to like promote is the life cycle. Yes, and figuring that out. And yes, because it's it's true. It's I mean undergarments a little different because they are the thing closest to your body so yeah. it truly is the thing that wears out the most quickly yeah because it gets all of your oils everything all of your stenches yes. all of your you know like it's everything it's very intimate yeah that's why they call it intimate <laughs> I, yeah I, I agree it's like thinking about your clothes in terms of yeah the whole life cycle and your life cycle like what do you want to bring into your life yeah um, 
I have, su- I have such a deep connection to my clothing. Like now, since I have started Pansy, I've actually started acquiring a lot of new clothes, mm-hmm. mostly because now my circle of friends and my community are all small business owners that make clothing. Mm-hmm. So we trade. So, and like for me, it's like, I, before it was like I only had used things and that was my connection was like, you know, finding it and whatever, like on eBay or at a, you know, antique store or whatever. And now it's like the connection is my friends who designed it and created it and produced it um, on their small scale. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, yeah, it's, it's a different connection, but it's, I feel so responsible for every single piece of clothing that comes into my life. Mm-hmm. So much so that like the things that don't end up working for me, I still have them and I'm trying to find them at home. Yeah. I feel like right. that's I feel like that's the part that is missing from the conversations I've seen about sustainability is like it just yeah. ends with the purchase and not right. with the full life cycle of that of that thing you bought. And yeah. with true. with the with the newsletter that I'm writing about how to create a wardrobe that works for you like that this is the beginning of the series and so our conversation is is going to be included in that is like trying to get people to to start thinking outside of that purchase and thinking more of like how can what what are other sustainable practices i can have outside of this thing that i bought locally or this thing i bought from h&m and um you know outside of how you know taking care of your garments in terms of like washing them it's also like you know learning like basic stitches so that if a button falls out it's not the end of that garment you can just fix it um or like i feel like changing a zipper is kind of a little more advanced right you probably need a machine for it you know but and but you taking it under making friends with your tailor (laughs) yes Uh, like every dry cleaner has a tailor yes most most they don't need to be an expert like your tailor yeah like they can be they can be an average tailor. They just do basic and things. And like $10 and they fix it for you. And yes. that's what I tell people when, you know, when they, when our straps wear down with pansy and like, you know, we'll send you new straps, you know, take it. If you don't know how to sew, take it to a tailor. They'll yeah. do it. Yeah. I was I'll telling somebody that. So I gave um, some bras to um, somebody at, from you and like the medium fit, the large and the extra large were a little big and I was like if you take it to it because you have the side seams and so I was like right you just get fuller coverage so you can take out have somebody take out the seams and just make it tighter on the sides and then you get a full coverage bra that fits you really well and they can shorten the straps and she's looking at me like what and like yeah man go and go take it go and get your clothes to fit you right and so yeah I feel like because like that bra could have would have probably just sat in her drawer for right. for years for years until she moved the next right right and I was like it would cost you like maximum twenty dollars to have that fixed on both right. of these bras now you have three bras with different coverage and so you decide what you want to you know how you want to wear them and totally. so I feel like that's something I'm really trying to hammer into people is like yes and like I feel like seamstresses want to. There are some seamstresses that want to do this, this, th- these kinds of like just simple stuff, but they don't yeah. get enough enough of it. And like the generation that did a lot of 
mending their clothing they're like slowly yeah. dying out and the young people yeah. just when i go to my seamstresses um when i go to my seamstresses i'm the youngest person that goes there like most of the yeah. young people that go there are going for like their prom dresses and that's it right right or their wedding dress or their wedding dress like i never see yeah. just like totally i feel like more men tailor like most like people who wear like men's clothes than right. people who wear women's clothes tailor because I, right. I I'm always there so I see the clientele while I'm just in the back like sorting through the stuff I'm dropping off and right, I look right. out and it's I never see young people coming in to like right. have like regular and they I'm pretty sure they prefer to do stuff like that because it's faster for them you know right it's a faster right. turnaround right than doing a gap and I truly believe that's the, the reason why there's been that generational shift, generational shift mm-hmm. is because of fast fashion, is because of cheap manufacturing and clothing and the globalization of apparel manufacturing because mm-hmm. shirts are getting cheaper. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's insane. Like, there's no, um, there's no reason to hold on to something when the value is so little, yeah. when you can literally just throw that away and it costs more to repair it than it would... Mm-hmm you know to get yeah exactly then it would to buy a new one so i was reading your um your like closet your closet consultation thing earlier today and you're talking about you know what to buy and how to buy and also how to use what you already have yeah and i think that's a big thing like for me is before shopping includes figuring out what i already have Yes. Like it's yes. the first step before I purchase anything. I'm always like, what do I have here that I can use first? And like, right. what do actually, what do I need? I don't know what I need until I figure out what I already have. And yeah. I feel like a lot of people just buy, look, I feel like the, the ease of looking at clothing, cause it's so accessible, like right there on Instagram. Right. You know, right. just scrolling mindlessly on like the real real or like any of these research right. sites. Right, it's right, just, right. It's so it's so mindless sometimes. And you're like, oh, I just I found this, and for me, I like I don't look if I'm not buying. I I will I no. refuse to. I don't anything. I don't shop. I, I truly don't shop. For me, it's like the one pair of sandals. Now I don't make sandals anymore, so like I need a new I need a new sandal every season, mm-hmm. and now I just get them from my friend Beatrice. You know, so yeah. it's like that's I don't and she'll you know like I don't need I don't need three pairs I just need one pair and then I wear it to shreds and then I get a new pair next summer and then same thing with like sunglasses I lose them all the time you know so it's like it's very rare that I find myself shopping for myself like truly I don't go shopping I don't believe in shopping I don't think it's a healthy habit I don't think it's good for our minds and I, I have way too much clothes I have so many clothes I, I definitely, my relationship to objects and clothing has very much bordered on hoarding. So, like, I have zero judgment of people that are constantly collecting because I am firmly in that realm of collector. Like, when I wore vintage clothes, there was a time when I had maybe 200 vintage dresses, oh like, God. from, like, the 20s to the 80s. Like, that was just, like, that was my, my whole room was old, was, like, falling apart tattered dresses. That probably all smelled because I couldn't wash them. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like 
every time I talk to you, I'm like, who is this person? How do well, I? Well, I used to look like people. People thought I was wearing a costume. Like when I was at UC Berkeley, people like I was Halloween. Ah, I was just wearing my normal Berkeley clothes. Those clothes. And my student was my one of the kids in my class was like, "What are you dressed up as?" We played soccer together. Ah. So he'd never seen me be out of soccer, my soccer clothes. And I was laughing so hard because I was like, this is just my normal clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I was so embarrassed. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Have you oh seen pictures God. of me from back then? <laughs> like an Edwardian doll like I would wear a big velvet ribbon in my hair I had like bangs and long hair that I never brushed well anyways so that's where I'm coming from she's come a long way I have come a long way I wear new clothes and I wash them and you can wash them because I do have I have this like old silk wrap top that has holes everywhere and it's fine. Yeah, you can't wash it. And then a lot of silk stuff will bleed when you wash them. Yes, so when I washed this shirt, it had more holes in it and I was so confused. I was like, what the hell happened? I didn't even wear this thing. And, and that's when I realized that the older something is, the more fragile the fabric is. And yes. so it's just yes. going to just like disintegrate. And so exactly. I don't wash this silk shirt. I don't wear it anymore. I just have it in my closet. Yeah. Sad yeah. that I can no longer use it because it's, but it's, right. because it's so beautiful. But, um, and yeah, totally with the bleeding thing, they all bleed, all of them. And yeah. so I don't even exactly. Because they weren't care. meant to be washed. They're meant to be worn and then for a few hours and then hung up. Mm, that's and then true. I do that a lot with my jeans and like tailored yeah. pants that aren't like white. I try right. to like, as soon as I get home, take off my clothes um, and hang them up. Like I, I yeah. have my like inside clothes, but sometimes I know I'm, I'm like in and out. So I'll wear them all through the day. And the whole time right. I'm walking around, I'm like, I should take these off. I should take these off. I should take this the whole time. <laughs> It's so like my it's so I can't turn it off. It's so annoying. But um, I was gonna ask you. I feel like the final question to kind of like bring. I, no, maybe not the final question. Maybe two more. Um, who are brands leaving behind when they like? I guess the first question is like, how do brands like? What do brands ignore? when they're pushing for sustainability in this like what you're buying like when it stops with what you're buying from us like the product itself and uh, like what are they forgetting for me i i think of like you know what that's not the question i want to ask you i want to ask you how how can consumers like what do they what should they look for in brands in terms of sustainability and ethics um, I have my own answer for that, but I want to hear yours. Um, for me, what I look for in a brand personally is um, is supply chain transparency. Like that is truly a um, novel thing. I think it's becoming more um, commonplace. Um, but it's 
not commonplace, but it's people are jumping onto it now. It's like a thing. Mm-hmm. It's like acknowledging, like showing the fact or whatever. Not that that necessarily means anything, but just knowing where where the where the raw materials grown, where it's turned into fabric, where it's dyed, um, who's sewing it, like that to me is a level of. Um, it just means that they know those things because a lot of people don't actually know that. Like, I don't think most people understand how clothing is made. No, um, no, they don't. So first you, I actually was, I have a friend in LA who is trying to start, like she has a vintage line or a vintage shop and she wants to start making some clothes. And I just kind of gave her all my information. Cause I was like, you know, whatever, she's going to make a small line of sweatpants or something. Um, cause everyone's doing that right now, but <laughs> like, if I get my and be like, she was like, how do I do it? You know? And I was like, you know, I wouldn't have known that before I started pansy, but I slowly learned how you make something. And most people start with, you know, a design or a fabric, either one or the other. Um, and knowing where that fabric is made, knowing where the raw material came from is very rare. Um, it'll just say origin. China, um, or origin India. And it's like, China is a enormous country. (laughs) Um, like what, what does it even mean? Um, and then for me, the idea that like you're buying something from a place that you've probably never been, don't speak the language. You don't know the people who live there. Like just feels like, why would, why would I do that? Like, why would I, why would I buy something when I don't fully understand the impact that it would have? on those on the people who are producing it like it's so it's just beyond my comprehension how you could just press that button and say yes that um so so knowing those things i honestly feel like there's only a couple brands who i truly who do that there's like pansy and baba like those are like the two people the two companies who have local supply chains because Baba does everything in Spain, Mm -hmm. which is incredibly rare because Spain is a very small country. Mm -hmm. The only thing they don't do is have extended sizes. So, but that's another thing. But, you know, what am I saying? Like, I think... um, That's the problem that I I always have with with brand. For me, even calling it extended sizes just feels like such a ridiculous term. Right, straight sizes. I mean, for me, it's like I use extended instead of class because I just feel like that's also strange um and I the reason I say extended is because I usually say I'm extending our sizes yeah see in that as like a verb yeah that makes sense to me but like calling it plus sizing or like like you know what so last week when I was writing this when I was starting this 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 series I originally had a completely different plan for it and I did an open thread because I wanted people to, to ask me questions or just give, leave me comments about what their like major hangups when it comes to dressing is. And the kind of questions I was expect, the kind of comments and questions I was expecting was like, um, you know, like I am a size 16 and I want to buy pieces that will last longer and there aren't any brands for that. Can you suggest that? But people were asking more like specific dressing up questions like can you tell me where to how to dress for x 
but there were a few people who asked some questions that made me start thinking and i was like let me go look let me go look for brands that make clothing for a size 16 for a size 22 and laura i couldn't find any clothing that wasn't like made with like synthetic fibers yeah that i don't know anyone who would want to wear that like a lot yeah. of the clothing for anyone above a size 16 was just like a very weird version of old navy for adults there are a handful now there's i I follow a lot of um like quote unquote like plus size influencers so i see them modeling a lot of a lot of brands that are they're they're making bigger sizes now so i think there is a shift happening and i can tell you what they are um or i can send you these people's um instagrams so you can kind of check it out. There's, I think there's one called Ray, W-R-A-Y. They're in New York. Oh, yeah. And I, they, I make, that one. they make some pretty stuff. Yeah, I knew that one. I have, I'm making this, a long list of things, of, of brands. Yeah. Because, okay. Because I've been doing, I've been, because I'm, I feel just really uncomfortable being like, you should have some quality knits in your yes, closet. Yes, and then not give people the options. And not give any options yeah, for that. Yeah, totally. And so I'm no, like, no, I agree. I think that um, we're just getting to a place where, like, I mean, I feel the same for me personally with running Pansy. Is like, I, I don't feel comfortable not extending our sizing. Like, it's just, like I would, I feel, sh- actually, like, I'm not someone who feels ashamed a lot, but I do feel shame when I don't have someone's size. Yeah. Like, when they, someone writes me and I don't carry it, like, I feel so bad. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. We are working on this. It's happening. Do you want to try it when we get it in? You know, like, because that way I don't get that many people that reach out to me, you know, because I think that's a hard thing for a lot of people yeah. to say, hey, you don't carry my size. Yeah. So when they do make that leap of faith to connect with me, I always try and reciprocate and I'm like and offer them stuff when we have it yeah. or say like, can you know, can you test it for me? Because yeah. um, I think that's important um, it's, for it's people just... to feel seen and heard and like, like it's not crazy that they're asking me this question. Yeah, like it's, it's on me to be able to say yes. Yeah, it feels, I felt so ashamed as well because I didn't, realized this the deficit in the market yeah. because yeah and like I start when I started when I was tweeting about it people were suggesting all these brands and I went to go look at them and I was like who's wearing this like nobody right. I feel like a lot of the times whenever I see a fat woman who's just like wearing just she's just wearing clothes I'm scared to ask like whenever I've gotten reached out to by by a fat woman asking like can you style me I, I'm always scared to send the questions I normally ask any clients. Like, what are the hangups you have about finding clothing? Right. Um, where do I begin? You know what I mean? And it's right, just, right, right. it's so shit. And like, I don't think, okay. I, like, I was aware that it was shitty, but just doing this, this one newsletter just brought it into full focus for me. And I yeah. feel like the responsibility is on people who have, their sizes available or who have all of the options in bullying these brands who don't yeah. have those sizes. Like, I True. don't think fat women should be the ones reaching out and saying, no, they shouldn't know, have to self advocate. Where are you? Where am I? You know, it should be people like me who was a size four, six saying, hello, yeah. why don't right. you have clothing for, you know, totally. 
all of us to, to have yeah. options. And right. so for me, that's where I get stuck with brands who say they're sustainable. Cause I'm like, you're doing everything correctly and you're trying to, you're, you're saying you're doing everything correctly and you're missing out. You're just excluding this huge group of people. Yeah. You know, like the average, isn't the average size like a 14 or 16? I think it's a 16. Yeah, I think it's yeah, 14 or 16. It's insane to me that yeah. anything ends at a large. I'm just like, what? But Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. is like I'm like a large, extra large, and there are, are plenty of brands that I barely fit into. It's insane. Or don't fit into at all because I have a larger bust. Yeah, that's So, like, I experience that, that and I am not fat yeah like I have you know like I am like I'm within the like that spectrum of acceptability yeah. of like the no- social norms and yeah. I'm still excluded from a lot of brands it's an, it's, I can't imagine so it makes me I just I feel like this conversation couldn't I couldn't talk about this have this conversation without having bring that element yeah. into it because Totally. So and it's a huge, that's a huge ethical thing. And that's like, yes. I think one of the last things I, yeah, I was going to say about things that I've struggled with is like, there was a, the moment where I realized that I wasn't doing enough. Yeah. And it took me being essentially educated on Instagram by people like by fat advocates, like mm-hmm. people being like, you, we need clothing. You need to make it for us. And I'm like, oh, okay, shit. Gotta do it. I haven't done this. <laughs> Because before that point, I would I was expanding our sizing based on my own personal needs. Yeah. Like, at some point, I stopped fitting in the large. I mean, we had extra large. And so I started wearing the extra large. And there was a point where I just stopped fitting in the extra large. And I had to make the double XL. And then I was like, oh, other people probably are bigger than that, too. <laughs> you know? I'm like, yeah. okay, I got to do this. Like, it's just, like, bra, literally. allows more people the full bra allows it like allows for more people with bigger busts right yes yeah. yes it does it works for bigger um bigger bust sizes and because we also have a lot of people who are in small band sizes and big busts so it works really well for that As well, yeah. and i'm also we have a lot of i have like another new bra coming out which will be 100 percent cotton and that's the other thing the third thing i wanted to round up about ethics I mean, we were talking about material choices, but that's a huge thing for me as I made a really big realization earlier this year about microplastics and their effect on our bodies and the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, when I read this article in The Guardian about finding microplastics in placentas, mm-hmm. and I told you about this, like yes. it was, it just made me want to like throw up just the idea that our babies, their first experience in another womb, which should be the most sacred place is literally polluted mm-hmm. um and thinking about there's so many brands now that they exclusively make their clothing out of recycled plastic mm-hmm. spandex and and on some level taking a plastic bottle and turning it into fiber is making it more available to be inhaled and bioavailable in like in our bodies because you're taking this solid thing and you're turning into a, a really fine fiber yeah. that every time you wear it, your body, your legs are rubbing together, you know, your whatever. And that is now in the air that you can breathe in yeah. or going into our waterway. Yeah. And it's like, once I realize that we obviously don't use that much spandex, but we have five styles that have 10% spandex 
and now I'm I'm working so hard to this year turn over everything to 100% cotton so we'll eliminate all plastic because I just firmly believe that that is the right thing to do and so for me the second that like I make a decision on like that's wrong I have to change it like I can't like there's no obviously it'd be cheaper for me to like whatever just do what I'm doing but the idea that like once I've become less ignorant about something mm-hmm. I can't turn my head back on that yeah, like you're basically once I've you know better yeah. you you hold yourself up to doing better yeah yeah because that's my job like why else am I here on this earth if not to do the best thing possible yeah. like we only have this one life and we need I like want to do the least amount of harm that I can yeah. like I don't even say that I'm doing good because to me I don't really know what that would mean, but no. to me, it's the least amount of harm possible. Yeah, I feel, and that's like, what I feel like ethics is—is yes. is the least amount of harm. Yeah, I, I, because we're always harm. They, they, there's like, we're always harming somebody, whether we want to like, yeah, see it or not. Because I was, yeah, like the, I think as we end this conversation, what I'm thinking of is like, I feel like it's there's like a level of. You know, there's only so much you can do because of the society, the, the structure of the society yeah. that we live in. There's there's only so much that's within our control, and I feel like, yeah, you know, if you followed these very strict rules, you you wouldn't buy anything. Then no. you wouldn't be able to survive in this in this capitalist society. Yeah, and you might not have as much joy too. Yeah, exactly. So, like, how do you survive while doing the least amount of harm? And I think of. Like, what's the most important thing? For me, how I go about, like, buying things is is by just buying less. Because, yes. you know, like, yes. if I go through each each brand, uh, there's some brands I just, like, never buy anything from because no, I know no. too much. I know enough where I'm just like, no, thank you, you know? Like, this year was, between last year and this year was, like, the least I've ever spent on Amazon in the last, like, seven years like this year alone i've ordered probably five things from amazon and it's amazing june and before i would order like 10 things per month on amazon and wow. i just reduced my i just stopped buying stuff like yeah. over the years like from i think from 2015 i just started to be more mindful and like my yeah. buying has just gone down every single year for so you know, as long as there are things that are non-negotiable for me, you know, it's how like you treat, if I, if I know how you treat your employees, I'm never going, and, and like, it's not good. I'm never buying anything from you. No. If, no. if your business practices is affecting somebody else. So like, if you're, if you being sustainable, quote, quote, sustainable in America to American consumers means another a child in another country a mother in another country is being affected so you're paying her less so that american customers can be sustainable quote sustainable i'm never buying anything from you and i feel like everybody has like there needs to be like a general we need to have an agreement like a general consensus of like what is our non-negotiables and things that are like you cannot help it like if if amazon is the only place that has the thing that you want you you have to buy it but how do you so like and then you have to look at other areas where you could just buy things from buy less or buy it from somewhere else right right and i feel like 
you know, there are a lot of people who are thinking thinking like this, but I, I feel like when a lot of people think of this feat, it feels very, like, too much, and people yeah. kind of give up, and it's like, I can't... Yeah, you get paralyzed yeah, by like indecision. do anything, and I feel like it's these, it's these small things, you know, that yeah. add up to... It. And if everybody was doing these small things, but at the end of the day, though, I still feel as if we could do all the right things. It's like the recycling thing, right? We could recycle right. all day, but the corp- the the corporations aren't recy- actually recycling right. the thing, and right, right, also right. the ones that are creating the pollution, the the global the like the 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 like the global issues we're having, like like um yeah, what was the word I'm thinking about? <laughs> the, the the not global warming, the like environmental environmental climate change, environmental climate, crisis climate, climate change, yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Totally. So, so I feel like when people approach it from that point, like they just feel helpless. Um, yeah. And so like it's out of your, it, like in that pl- in that space it's out of your control. But I think right. in more of I think of it more as like person to person impact. Yes. Yes, and also creating a cultural shift yes. of like this. You know, I think when we're in a world where our lives are so seen, what are we showing to each other? What are we sharing with one another? I feel like if you go to my Instagram, it's just like me with flowers and fruit. Because to me, those are the things that bring me the most joy Mm -hmm. and the things that are the most accessible. And like I get, you know, it doesn't cost a lot to buy that much to buy a little bit of fruit or to buy, you know, some flowers, you know, so like something that small things that bring us joy that I get from a farm, a local farm that it's that is like growing things seasonally. And so for me, it's like, how do I bring the seasons to people and like that understanding? Cause I think we, we've gone so far from living the way we used to live in terms of with what was accessible in our communities. And the, that's why things have become so cheap is because we, because of globalization and because we've, you know, start mass producing things, we can have so much more stuff yeah. and we don't need it. Yeah. And it's kind of pollutes our, our minds and our, our houses with things yeah. that we, that aren't, they don't bring us more joy. Yeah. Yeah. I, for, so like for me, so for you, for, for everyone, it should be since the, like the larger problem is in, is in individuals, regular individuals like us. Yeah. The, the what we should then focus on I feel like the the main takeaway from this is like person to person impact yeah yeah and like because I do think that we I feel like I've seen from the vaccine it's like and and this COVID in general it's like you we are in our own bubbles all the time and we are impacted by those around us yeah so your values if you just shifting your own mindset it's not just you alone you'll you'll impart that onto everyone you meet and that does make a shift. This was a great conversation. Um, yeah.